Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, that's right. You heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com the way Tire buying should be absolutely jam-packed show tonight. And about 15-minute special guest, David Bierman. After an 18-year stellar career at ESPN, he's joined Pro Football Network. And how convenient, the draft is just hours away. That, among many other issues surrounding the National Football League. Is baseball looking at even more rules changes? We'll discuss. Are the Oakland A's coming to Vegas? Yeah, we'll touch on that. What are the scouts saying? about the quarterbacks and of course we've got nhl playoffs and the nba playoffs are raging but first we begin with what has been the group think echo chamber topic of the week you see there are only two types of people in the world those who believe that the suspension involving draymond green after game two of the nba first round series versus sacramento was warranted or not. Those are the only two types of people in the world. Now, for the record, I'm not taking sides on this, but I'm going to give an objective, thorough analysis on both sides. And I will tell you, I believe I have a unique perspective on this, more than most, and I'll explain why. But let's begin with the beginning. If you really want to defend Draymond Green, who I'm not sure if he's stupid or he's ignorant or he's both, And let me lay that out for you, some of you folks who selectively listen. Let's say uh, Jimmy and Mikey are standing on a cliff, and Mikey says, hey, Jimmy, let's jump. Well, if Jimmy doesn't know jumping off a cliff could break his legs or end his life, he's just ignorant. He doesn't know. But if he knows that if he jumps off the cliff, something very bad could happen, but he does it anyway, he's stupid. So if you really want to defend Draymond Green... You're defending a guy who in his career has had 164 technical fouls, 27 technical fouls in the playoffs alone, six flagrant fouls, 17 ejections, 
He had incidents in November back in 2018, of course, the 2016 NBA Finals, Game 5. You know all about it. Dude's got a body of work. So when Joe Dumars decided to suspend him, he did it for three reasons. Based on his actions, his actions in the game in Game 2, his personal history, which I, I thought he articulated quite well, and his antics. Going up to the crowd... And, of course, I understand he's got a podcast. Not that I'd ever listen to one minute of that Michigas. I don't care what this guy's got to say. His lack of accountability, he's tone deaf. He really wants to convince the world how intelligent and smart he is. But I judge people by their actions. Now, mind you, Draymond Green, when the history books are written, will have, you know, history will remember him well. I think he's going to get Hall of Fame votes. He's been a key cog in multiple Warriors championships. Let's be fair about this. I can hold both thoughts concurrently. But when Joe Dumars decides to suspend him for a game, here's what he's saying. We're fed up, man. We're fed up with your act. We've had enough. We're not taking it anymore. As Judge Schmales would say in, in Caddyshack, you'll get nothing and like it. You know what's ironic, too? Draymond does these things to get under the skin of his opponents. I think his opponents get under his skin. Why? Well, all I know is million, one million three in career fines for, for the guy who's really, really going to convince the world through his podcast how worldly he is. Now, I just said I believe I have a unique perspective about this, and I do. One, because the gentleman that made the decision, Joe Dumars, of course, he was the president <clears throat> of those great Detroit Pistons teams in the early 2000s and went to five straight conference finals. Uh, went to the NBA Finals back-to-back -back years, upset the Lakers in 2004, covered all those series, got to know Joe. And uh, we had, a, state, we had a, a, a saying in Detroit, in Joe we trust. He's a brilliant man. He is an erudite man. He was not only a great player for the bad boy Pistons for Chuck Daly in the late 80s, came this close to three-peating, beat the Lakers in 88, beat the Lakers in 89, came within a whisker, uh, check that. They did not beat the Lakers in 88. They lost to the Lakers in seven. I saw Isaiah Thomas score 42 points on one foot in game six. Beat the Lakers in seven in 88. Came back and beat the Lakers in 89 and then beat Portland in 1990. Those were great Pistons teams. Joe Dumars had a lot to do with that. Then he became a top flight executive. Now he's holding a, a, a position of great authority in the National Basketball Association. Where was Joe Dumars on November 19, 2004? At the Palace of Auburn Hills, like I was. Remember the palace, the, mal the mouse at the palace? Try that again in English. The mouse at the palace. You tell me what you think might have happened if a beer cup had been flying out of the stands and clunked Draymond Green out of the, on the head. You, he would have laughed it off? You really think so? You think he's got that kind of self-control? Hold that thought. I'm going to revisit this at the bottom of the hour. You see, Joe Tumars knows a thing or two about spontaneous combustion and how the simplest, craziest little event could perhaps light the fuse for what has become the poster child for the mouse at the palace. I just heard Colin invoke the mouse at the palace the other day. Anytime there's the slightest fracas, someone talks about the mouse at the palace. Well, you weren't there. I was. You want to talk about it? Call me. I saw it all. I know how fast it can happen. I know how crazy it can look. You know? Players said afterward, as bad as it looked on TV, it was even worse in person. I know. And by the way, the commissioner was watching on TV. And by the way, the commissioner was there in person the other night when Draymond pulled his latest stunt.
we will revisit this at the top of the hour. Coming up, we bring in a gentleman, good friend of mine, stellar 18 career at ESPN, now chief content creator for Pro Football Network. Remember, tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right, back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. At this time, let's welcome a gentleman, a good friend of mine, after an 18-year stellar career at ESPN, part of ESPN Stats and Info. He's now joined Pro Football Network as the Chief Content Officer. Let's say hello and welcome in David Behrman. David, how are you? Thanks for staying up late, buddy. Hey, Bernie. Thanks for having me. Uh, glad to be here. It might be late here, but I know it's early out there, but happy to be on after all this time. We've had some some good back and forths over the years over text message and phone, and um, I'm glad I'm be able to be on your show. And I'm, and I'm glad to have you, David. Uh, you always dot your I's and cross your T's extremely well. And uh, when I saw uh, that you had made this uh, change, I, you know, what – what more opportune time than now, giving all the news in the NFL, not the least of which is the NFL draft, which is literally just hours away. Uh, before we dive into that, though, tell the folks a little bit about Pro Football, not Pro Football Network and where they can find your work. Sure. Pro Football Network at, at ProFootballNetwork.com is, is one of the one of the expanding sites that we have here uh, that it's pretty much all football. And we're here to give you as much insight about, you know, professional football as there is. Obviously you mentioned the NFL draft coming up next week, the draft week by week, betting, fantasy analysis, um, you name it. It's all there. The draft is huge. And, you know, if you've played around with any mock draft simulators, this is the, this is the site to go to. So mock draft simulator, uh, one of the best in the business right here at Pro Football Network. Uh, if you go there and, and you click on the mock draft simulator, you can sit there and play around with it as much as you want and, and figure out who your team's going to get, who your team might get. Uh, uses deep analysis, great writers across the board, writers and, and analysts that I've gotten to meet over the last couple of days um, at Pro Football Network. And, you know, it started about four and a half years ago, and it's been expanding ever since, recently purchased by Absolute Sports um, and Sports Kita, and we're expanding every single day. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for myself 
and the rest of the team to go out there and produce NFL content for the fan, because that's what it is. We basically are out there producing top-notch NFL content that the fan wants to consume on a daily basis, starting with the mock draft simulator that I just mentioned, all the way through fantasy content, betting content, and week-by-week and day-by-day analysis of, of the National Football League. And, of course, there's an insatiable need for this type of content, so uh, business should be uh, very good. David, let's start with the draft. Obviously, the betting markets here in Vegas have spoken dramatically in the last three weeks, but it's not just that. More and more news comes out and uh, from the eyeball test all the way up to the S2 test, which seems to be displacing the Wonderlick test. Let's start with Bryce Young. Do you believe, uh, part of your simulator, that Bryce Young will, in fact, be the number one pick overall to Carolina? Uh, we believe it so much that even the other day we went in there and, and changed the, the mock draft simulator that, therefore, it's 100% of the time, if you're playing around with it, Bryce Young is the number one pick in, in the draft to the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, for for a while it was like, you know, the, 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 the simulator would give you who they thought was going to be number one and you can play around with it. But we changed the algorithm the other day to tell you that it's going to be Bryce Young no matter what. He's minus 2,500 in the betting markets yes. to go number one. And, <laughs> and that's, that's speaking for itself. Whereas a few weeks ago, that might have been different. And you had C.J. Stroud. You talked to Anthony Richardson. Uh, even before that, Jalen Carter. It's quite obvious that the Carolina Panthers trading up to number one. Uh, everything we are hearing, everything our analysts are hearing, everything that our um, our Anybody that we, we, we touch the National Football League is saying that, that Bryce Young is going to be number one. So, you know, there are some drafts, Bernie, where at the end of the day, you know who the number one pick is. and At the end of the day, you're usually right. And when it comes to this, the betting markets are telling you exactly what everybody else is hearing to the point that we did go in there and say that Bryce Young 100% of the time is going to show up as number one pick on the, on the mock draft simulator. I'm in agreement with every bit of that. I felt that way for over a week, and the evidence continues to mount, which I guess begs the second question, who will be the second quarterback (laughs) drafted? Because I've heard C.J. Stroud, I've heard Will Levis, not Anthony Richardson. What are your thoughts? That's that's going to be the interesting one. Now, when you look at this draft as a whole, especially the quarterback market, it, it, it's really, really compelling because I don't think, and analysts will agree with you, I don't think this is the best draft in the world for quarterbacks, right. yet quarterbacks are going to go. You know that's what it is. Teams, franchises, GMs, coaches, they all want the quarterbacks. When you look at it, you know, C.J. Stroud is still favored to go as the second quarterback, and I think it really depends on which team it is takes that risk. If it's Houston at number two, which I actually don't think it will be, then it's probably going to be C.J. Stroud. If C.J. Stroud gets by number two and Houston decides to play it a little safe, whether it's Tyree Wilson, whether it's Will Anderson, whether it's Jalen Carter – then it's probably going to come up to the Indianapolis Colts unless there's a trade, because you know the Arizona Cardinals aren't picking a quarterback. Will someone trade for that pick? We don't know. If it then falls to the Indianapolis Colts, then you have Colts like Anthony Richardson. So I think if C.J. Stroud doesn't go number two, there's a possibility, a real possibility, that Richardson could be the second quarterback taken at number four. Talking with David Bierman of Pro Football Network, the draft just hours away. Uh, it appears as though Jalen Carter and his legal troubles might be distancing, distancing themselves further in the rearview mirror. I'm showing it looks like the that, that Carter will go to the Seahawks fifth overall. Do you agree with that, or what are your thoughts about Jalen Carter in general? 
I think he will go higher than the last couple of weeks have shown us. Yes, the legal troubles are there. You're not going to get away from that. But I do think you're right. I think he's someone that the immense talent that he has, just all the things that you see on tape, he's someone that teams are not going to want to pass. And I know there's been a lot of stuff in the media that he's only going to interview with top 10 teams and, and, and the legal troubles and, and, you know, checked in overweight and out of shape. But at the end of the day, you watch the tape, you watch the film, and Jalen Carter is going to be a guy that, although he's made some mistakes in his youth, uh, is somebody that's still going to go high in the draft. And I, he is a good fit for Seattle at five. They need to overhaul that defense. Um, and the Georgia product would be perfect for him. And, you know, if, 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 if then and that, but things did happen. But if it didn't, you're talking about a guy that could easily have gone number one overall. So that mm. is tremendous value for Seattle at five. Uh, again, I, I agree. Let's stay on the quarterback subject matter. First of all, Aaron Rodgers, uh, I've studied this. I've been covering this for months now. And I've always believed it's possible this deal could end up sinking under its own weight. As we head into the draft uh, next Thursday, here's where I'm going with this. I've, I'm certain Green Bay would like to have a first-round draft pick. They won't get one this year. So where I believe it gets interesting, David, is when you get to pick 42 and 43 on day two. If this deal isn't done by then... I feel this deal starts to sink like an anvil in a Bugs Bunny cartoon. My question to you is, do you think it gets that far? What do you, uh, I, I guess, it's my long-winded way of asking, do you think this deal is done by the draft? I don't think it's done by the draft necessarily, but I think it does get done. Listen, Bernie, nothing, you know, as a guy who has grown up rooting for the Miami Dolphins and now living in the New England area around the Patriots and around the Jets and Giants, yes, it would be nothing would be more funny to me than than the deal falling through and the Jets not getting Aaron Rodgers when it seems like all of their eggs are in that basket. Mm -hmm. That being said, all all signs are pointing to eventually that his days in Green Bay are over. The Jets are going to get him. It's just a matter of when. Do I think it's sort of amusing and it hasn't happened yet? Yeah, there's a lot of politics at play here. Green Bay doesn't have to trade him, and the Jets don't seem to want to give the price that Green Bay deserves for trading Aaron Rodgers. Do I think it happens? Yeah. At the end of the day, this is a marriage that's already been made been talked about. Aaron says that's where he's going. He's going to not retire. He's going to go there. The Jets are doing everything in their power to get it done. I think eventually it happens. Does it happen by Saturday, by Friday or Saturday? I'm not so sure. Um, could it fall apart? Yeah, of course. Nothing's done. Nothing's guaranteed. Uh, but I think eventually there's too much at stake. Green Bay's not going to sit on $60 million, and the Jets are not going to throw their entire offseason away and not get the quarterback they need. So I think they eventually meet the price. But at some point, the Packers are going to be like, listen, are we really going to you know, risk losing $60 million? Because they're not going to play. Grant Rodgers is not playing in a Green Bay Packers uniform that year. I think you and I can agree on that as to whether he's in a Jets uniform or somewhere else is yet to be seen. But at some point, you'd think that the Green Bay Packers are going to blink and it, you know, cave in and trade him. And that, I guess, becomes a question, who blinks first? I, I genuinely feel Green Bay has the leverage. The Jets have an asset that Green Bay owns. And either way, Green Bay is going to write a big check, whether through the salary cap hit or whether or not Rodgers remains a Packer. So we'll see who blinks first. And uh, I, I think the draft is a, a, an excellent demarcation point, which, which segues to the other quarterback who has been front and center. I believe when... When all is said and done, more will be said than done. What am I talking about? Lamar Jackson, I think he does returning to Baltimore and plays under the franchise tag of $32 million. The question, do you think he would pull a Le'Veon Bell stunt and sit out? 
I actually think you would. I think this one is not as cut and dry David? as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I, I think this yeah, one is David not Bierman. as cut and dry. Hello? You hear me? All right, Bernie? we're talking with David Bierman of Pro Football Network. Not sure what happened there. These things can happen sometimes in, in radio. We've covered the draft. David's talked about all right, we, we seem to be having some technical issues with Bernie Fratto at the moment, so we'll get back to him in just a couple of minutes. First, we'll tell you what's trending around the sports world, and there is plenty to get to from Friday night. We'll start with the NBA playoff slate. Uh, three games on the slate, and it was capped off by a Nuggets victory in Minnesota, 120-111 to as the Denver Nuggets pick up a victory. Seventh career playoff triple-double for Nikola Jokic, 20 points, 11 boards, and 12 assists. Michael Porter Jr. scored 25 and had nine boards. Denver taking a 3-0 series lead in that one. Anthony Edwards, 36 points in a losing effort for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Earlier in the night, Jalen Brunson scoring 21 points, leading the Knicks to a dominant 99-79 victory over Cleveland. In Game 3 of their series, they take a 2-1 lead. 79 points, the lowest scoring output in the NBA this season by a team, and it happens to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the postseason. Trey Young, 32 points with nine assists. Jante Murray score 25 for Atlanta as well. They pick up a 130-122 to victory over Boston. The win cuts the Celtics' lead to two games to one in that series. Clippers will be without Kawhi Leonard on Saturday for their Game 4 matchup against the Phoenix Suns as he continues to nurse a knee sprain. Kawhi also missed Game 3 of that series. The Phoenix Suns with a 3-1, to or I should say 2-1 to lead headed to Game 4 on Friday or on Saturday, I should say. 76er center Joel Embiid will also miss Game 4 of their series against the Brooklyn Nets. He has a sprained knee, Philadelphia with a 3-0 series lead there. Major League Baseball from Friday night. The Mets hammering the Giants 7 to nothing as Pete Alonso hit a home run. Joey Lucchese, seven innings pitched, allowed just four hits and nine strikeouts. Mets have won seven of their last eight games. Mariners a 5-2 victory over the Cardinals. Teoscar Hernandez with a home run. Jared Kelenic with two RBI. D-backs a shutout over the San Diego Padres, 9-0. Zach Gallen, seven innings pitched with 11 strikeouts. San Diego Padres just a 10-12 record so far to start the season. Shohei Otani, seven innings pitched, 11 strikeouts. He is now 3-0 with a .64 ERA. Angels picking up a 2-0 victory over the Kansas City Royals. Kansas City just a 4-16 record at the moment. They have lost six straight games. Nationals, a 3-2 victory over the Twins. Boston, a 5-3 victory over the Brewers. Alex Verdugo, a home run for a second consecutive game. Oakland, a 5-4 victory over the Texas Rangers. Astros, a 6-4 win over the Braves. Jordan Alvarez, a home run in the ninth inning to lift Houston there. Toronto Blue Jays, a 6-1 victory over the Yankees. Yusei Kikuchi, six innings pitched in an earned run. Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Brandon Belt each went deep for Toronto. Baltimore, a 2-1 victory over the Tigers. Austin Hayes, a home run. Baltimore getting its fourth straight victory there. Kyle Schwarber goes deep for the Philadelphia Phillies. A 4-3 victory there over the Rockies. Rays, an 8-7 win over the White Sox. Christian Bedencourt and Brandon Lau with ninth inning home runs. Lau was a walk-off as the White Sox have lost seven of their last nine matchups. Pirates, surprising start to the season. They are 14-7 after a 4-2 victory over the Reds. Mitch Keller, six innings pitched with two earned runs. And, of course, the Cubs with a Shutout victory over the Dodgers earlier on Friday. Drew Smiley was perfect headed into the seventh inning. He was set up for seven and two-thirds pitch with ten strikeouts. Four home runs hit by the Cubs, including one by former Dodger Cody Bellinger.
They roughed up Julio Urias for five runs in just over three innings of work. Four games on the NHL playoff slate as well. The Kings, a 3-2 overtime victory over the Oilers to take a 2-1 series lead. Wild, a 5-1 lead over the Stars. Bruins and Islanders with victories as well. Let's get back to Bernie Fratto. No, we don't have Bernie Fratto back, so we'll uh, we'll keep it here. We'll be still having some technical issues with Bernie at the moment. So we'll keep it going. Like you mentioned, a lot going on on Friday night and some big news out of the NBA injury-wise. Uh, so we talked about the, the injuries of Ryan and Kawhi Leonard, and this is something that has plagued the Clippers the last couple of seasons. If we go, go off on the NBA here before we get back with Bernie, uh, something that's affected them for the last few years. Paul George has been out. Not Kawhi Leonard has missed the last couple of games as well. Uh, just a tough blow, a tough blow against the team. Look, they showed themselves well against Phoenix in game one. Got themselves a victory. They hung in there in game two as well. Uh, and look, in game three, it was, a, it, was a, it was a tie game, I believe, at halftime. They were hanging right in there, uh, but just unfortunately unable to pull things out. You know, a Phoenix Suns team, they were going to be vulnerable. As talented as they are, they don't have a lot of chemistry right now. Uh, and it's something that was pretty glaring uh, down the stretch of the regular season. Kawhi Leonard, of course, suffered that unfortunate ankle injury late in the season. And the Clippers seemed like it was ripe for the taking for them against Phoenix. And it's uh, if you're a Clipper fan, I guess you would say it's unfortunate. Uh, but look, they kept themselves alive. Norman Powell had a huge game last game. We'll see what they can potentially do in game four. They're going to have to try to battle it out once again without Kawhi Leonard being in the lineup. Right now, I believe we have Bernie Fratto back in the mix. You got us, Bernie? We do not have Bernie back in the mix. All right, <laughs> we'll keep it going here, Mark. If we can lower the music and uh, and keep it going, talk more NBA playoffs here. So I mentioned what was happening in that Clippers series, the Denver Nuggets. People really up in the air about them down the stretch of the regular season. This is something we've talked about here on Fox Sports Radio at nauseum. The number one seed in the Western Conference had a phenomenal regular season, but for whatever reason, people f- were just not feeling Denver. Didn't think that Denver was a true title contender. Something that I've been talking about all year long. Maybe it's because Nikola Jokic, not the most aesthetically pleasing uh, when he makes plays. He had another triple-double on Friday night, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, and getting that victory to lead them through a 3 nothing series lead. But this is a different Denver team. You know, you remember a team in the bubble that had a 3-1 series lead uh, over the Clippers, or that came back from a 3-1 deficit against the Clippers. Anthony Davis hits a big shot uh, in Game 5 of that series and turns things around. They could have been in the NBA Finals the last couple of years. They've had injuries. Jamal Murray has been in and out of the lineup. Michael Porter Jr. has been in and out of the lineup. Uh, so we'll have to see how things shake out there. As of right now, I believe we have Bernie Fratto rejoining us. Bernie. Can you hear me, Kevin? We got you loud and clear, brother. Okay, buddy. Thank you for pinch hitting. Do we still have David Bierman on the line? David, are you still with us? Okay, we. Okay, David, are you there, my man? Let's pot up David Bierman when we can. If we don't have him, let me know. Well, we're just to recap. We were talking to David Bierman, Pro Football Network, about the draft and. Uh, we talked about four things. Who's going to go number one overall? Consensus, we strongly believe it's essentially 100% uh, Bryce Young now. Jalen Carter, we believe, will move up to five, go to Seattle. There'll be four quarterbacks drafted. We talked about Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. It looks uh, David is convinced that the deal will happen. Even if it doesn't happen before the end of the draft, I say when you get to pick 42-43 on Saturday, uh, that uh, uh, we we you know we have a situation where I think the the, the deal gets questionable uh, because of of the compensation that Green Bay wants. So uh, be that as it may, we'll see what happens. Lamar Jackson, I believe, will be returning to the Ravens as part of the franchise tag, and of course, uh, 
we were going to get into the S2 test, which is now taking the place of the uh, uh, it's taking the place of the uh, Wonderlink test. is kind of a uh, what you would call a 40-yard dash for the brain. So uh, at any rate, uh, why don't we do this? I'll tell you what. I, I've got a lot more to talk about with Draymond, and uh, and I want to remind everybody that the, the show is again is it's brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Coming up, we'll dive back into Draymond Green. They did win a game in Golden State. I'll tell you what I think happens from here on out. And uh, I guess it's there right now. all right, I'm being told by my producer for the first time that we do have David Bierman back. David, are you back with us, my friend? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Live, late, late breaking up. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. We're having a Murphy's Law issue. It can happen. And David, I want to get you on again in a few weeks uh, because sure. there'll always be more to talk about as we as we get into OTAs and stuff. One of the things I wanted to uh, finish our segment on, uh, David, was. Uh, the S2 test, which, of course, seems to have taken the place now of the Wonderlick test. It's all about recognition. It's been described as a 40-yard dash for the brain. And one of the reasons that, uh, is, 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 that Bryce Young rocketed up the way he did is because of his incredible score on the S2 test. Talk about the S2 test from your perspective. Do we have David Bierman? Do we have David Bierman? Okay, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to reset, folks. Uh, you're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show uh, on Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked right here. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios. Coming up, more of the same for Draymond Green. I'll break it down. Keep it locked. This is the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Back in on the Bernie Fratto Show. It's Kevin Figures here with you. We'll get Bernie hooked back up here in just a little bit, have some technical issues. We're back in on Fox Sports Radio, talking NFL Draft. Got NFL Draft coming up next Thursday is the first round. Look forward to that. Got our coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. Plenty to get into with that coming up with Bernie soon here on the network. I was talking some uh, NBA last segment uh, when we lost Bernie previously. Uh, now the, the playoffs are now in full swing in a pretty interesting first round marred by some controversies. I know Bernie talked about the Draymond Green injury, which was a big point of contention earlier this week. And 
Bernie talked about, you know, you fall on one side of the aisle when it comes to Draymond, whether he should have been suspended or should not have been suspended and whether or not his actions warranted uh, him being set, sitting out that previous game. Now, thankfully for the Golden State Warriors, if you're a fan, they were able to pull that victory out over Sacramento to get themselves some control back in that series down now 2-1 uh, with game four coming up here tonight. But the, I don't know, the way that I fall on it when it comes to Draymond Green is he, your history precedes you. So look, if that was Jordan Poole, per se, who had his ankle grabbed by DeMontis Sabonis and he stepped on him, it probably wouldn't have gone farther than a flagrant one or a technical foul. Most certainly a flagrant, I would say. It, it even Look, I try to put myself in other players, other people's situations and situations like this in determining you know, whether or not what action I would take against them. And If you're trying to run up court and someone is grabbing onto your foot, I think it's only a natural reaction that you would kick them now, did you have to stomp them on the chest? And by the way, I do think Demontis Sabonis, you know, deserves a, an Oscar nomination too. Did a little bit of acting. <laughs> Draymond didn't step on him that hard to make it seem like his, he is going to have a concave chest or something by getting stepped on. But it certainly was an act of aggression from Draymond Green, and you can certainly say that it was unnecessary what he did to Demontis Sabonis. So uh, I do think it would have been a flagrant, would have been at least a double technical for both. But considering Draymond Green has a history of over-aggression, to put it nicely, to put it mildly. You know, I don't necessarily have a problem with him being suspended. And I know he tried to use the example of, oh, you're trying to use something that happened against me six years ago. It's not just one thing that happened against you six years ago, Draymond Green. Let's let's calm that down. This is something that's played you throughout your, your entire career. You consistently lead the league in technical fouls, or at least t- towards the top. You're consistently towards the top of the league in flagrant fouls. You consistently push the line whether it's elbowing a guy here, stepping on a guy's foot there, you know it. So your reputation precedes you, and I do think this is something that Joe Dumars talked about in laying down the suspension earlier this week. The fact that Draymond has history, that works against him, and I think it should. It absolutely should. These are not just a series of isolated incidents. And I think the rules do have to be different. You can't treat every single player the same. Yeah, look, there are said rules in place. There are set punishments that are in place for certain infractions. And I think there's a certain baseline that goes with those punishments and infractions. And I certainly understand that. But when you're a multiple offender in these sorts of actions like Draymond Green is, you have a reputation around the league, the, the NBA has to say you're not going to put up with it. And, and this goes to something broader, and I'm sure Bernie will get into this as well, something that Doc Rivers brought up and talking about Draymond and he – brought up the example of what happened to Joel Embiid last game, and James Harden to a certain degree as well. You know, getting a couple of flagrants. Uh, Joel Embiid was uh, basically getting egged on and and eventually had you know, a player ejected uh, because there was a couple of different technical fouls in the game. And he says that star players are being baited, and that shouldn't be allowed uh, by other players. And, like, by the way, from a strategic standpoint, I certainly understand it. If it's something the NBA is not going to crack down on and make a big deal about, and yeah, who am I to not? I, if, I, if I'm a head coach of a team, I would absolutely encourage, you know, one of my, for lack of a better term, scrubs or someone who maybe is not one of my marquee players. If you can get into the head, get into the psyche of a star player, get him to get himself ejected or get himself a technical foul, use that to your advantage. I understand what Doc Rivers is trying to say, but there's a level of gamesmanship that goes within that as well. It's not about playing reckless and trying to get somebody hurt. But if it's about like Draymond Green and what he did, but if it's about egging a guy on, getting in his face a little bit, saying like, hey, look, 
if I'm Royce O'Neal or someone of that ilk, a solid player but certainly not a superstar, it will behoove me and my team to do whatever I can to try to get that star player out of the game by whatever quote-unquote legal means that may be. Not trying to get him injured, but trying to rat him a little bit. So I think there's a little bit of a difference when it comes to something like that and talking about what happened in Philadelphia and what and, and what happened with, uh, with the 76ers and Joel Embiid than it was with Draymond Green. Draymond Green was an, was an overt act of aggression. I don't think he stepped that hard onto DeMontis Sabonis, but still, you can't say that it could have caused harm. It was definitely at least a flagrant foul, and your, your reputation precedes you within that. So I, I certainly fall on the aisle of Draymond Green certainly deserved to be suspended. Would everybody deserve to be suspended in that situation? Look, maybe they would. Maybe they'd say that's an act of aggression on anybody's part, and under no circumstances should you step on somebody's chest. But I do think there is a gray area to a certain degree when you talk about you know intent, uh, the history, the amount of aggression. All of that has to, has to be all-encompassing. And when you consider what Draymond Green's reputation has been and his past has been, it's certainly well-deserved. And it does make me wonder exactly what the future of Draymond Green is going to be in Golden State as well. Because he is a pending free agent. He has a player option for about $27.5 million this coming offseason. And look, I hate to break it to Draymond Green, but you you talk about being a culture setter and playing defense and being a difference maker. All of that is true for where he plays. He makes a great impact for the Golden State Warriors in that culture, in that locker room, for the style of game that they play. If you took Draymond Green and you dropped him in Charlotte, he's not making that sort of impact. His stat line might improve a little bit, but, I mean, look, Charles Barkley would give him a lot of guff over the last few years for calling him Mr. Triple Single, and it became jokingly after a while. Whenever the Warriors were out of the playoffs, Draymond would become a panelist for TNT and they'd have fun, but, you know, he has a point. Draymond Green is an incredible, he's the ultimate role player. He's the dirty work, do-everything guy for a team that has everything else. You have two of the greatest shooters, some would argue the two greatest shooters in the history of the sport, and Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. You have a solid stable of role players who have been there before and had deep runs, although I think this is not this is obviously not Golden State's best team. They've had a very tough year this year. So is anybody going to be willing to give Draymond Green $27 million plus a hundred plus, let's say a hundred year or let's say a hundred million dollar contract extension over four or five years in free agency at twenty seven to thirty million dollars per year outside of Golden State. I don't see it. And quite honestly, I don't know if Golden State is it would even be willing to to match that at this point. The only way that he can max out the amount of money he can get is if he opts out of his contract. And I've, if I was his agent, and I don't know what the market is right now in the NBA, I don't know exactly what the what the landscape is, what agents feel uh, coaches feel around the league his value would be but just based on what I've seen and there's been a bit of a drop-off as good as he still is there's definitely been a drop-off in his game I'm not willing to commit that kind of money to a role player I'm just not I've said over the years that Draymond Green is a quote-unquote max player not max in the sense that he's you know Giannis Antetokounmpo or Jason Tatum but a max player in that he can make the maximum amount of money with the team he's, that was drafted. he was drafted by with the Golden State Warriors because of the role he plays for that team. But anywhere else, he's nowhere close to that. So I'll be interested to know what the market would be for him on top of the fact that he has all of this working against him. His reputation precedes him. As good of a locker room guy as you think he is, is he? Because I can go back to a video as a Pruder film from our training camp when he knocked out Jordan Poole, and some would say that's as big of a reason as any 
as to why Golden State had a tough year this year. The locker room chemistry was fractured to a degree. That doesn't sound like a culture setter to me. So you do take all that into account. And look, Golden State can still, they're still very much alive. They're the defending champions. They can easily come back, win this next game, and go back to Sacramento and end up taking this series. I don't think they will. I was documented last week here on Fox Sports Radio saying that I thought Sacramento would win the series. The first couple of games actually played out the way I thought it would. And you expect like, Golden State wasn't going to get swept. They were going to come back and they were going to respond. So the big matchup will be game four and how Sacramento comes out and responds with Draymond Green now back out there uh, as a paint presence defensively for Golden State. Still makes an impact. I just don't think he makes as big of an impact as he used to. And I just don't know how valuable of a piece to the Golden State Warriors he will be in the future, especially at the price tag that he'd be levied at. So if I, if it were me and I were advising Draymond Green, I'd say, look, man, opt into your contract, keep that $27 million, take every cent that you possibly can, because there's no guarantee that Golden State even resigns you for that amount. Look, Clay Thompson, I think, is looking for a super max. I saw the other day. And as good as Clay Thompson is, now look, they'll probably end up giving it to him because, look, I think, look, Clay Thompson's lost a step, maybe even a step and a half. Still one of the great shooters in the NBA, someone you don't want to leave open and is capable of going off for some huge games, and he has at times this year and had a much better game three the other night. But you'd be much more willing to break the bank to keep keep an aging star, oft injured recently too, in Clay Thompson than someone like Draymond Green, who on top of the fact that his skills are diminishing, he's just a giant headache, a giant headache in the locker room that you don't want to deal with. But going back to what Doc Rivers said, I, I look, I, I understand – his sentiment, and I would want to take some – look, you don't want stars getting thrown out of games, but there's a certain level of self-control that you have to have as well. And I think Joel Embiid showed that. <laughs> Joel Embiid you know, was taunted twice in that game, and the second time he pointed at the official and said, throw this guy out. Look what he want. Look at what he's trying to do to me. I'm not going to let this happen. So for, for what Doc said, I think the onus really falls on the players, less so on the NBA to have to take any sort of action. And I give kudos to Draymond Green for, for I should say, give kudos to Joel Embiid for showing that restraint and not allowing himself to be taken out that way. This is the Bernie Fratto Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Kevin Figures. We will reconnect with Bernie Fratto here shortly. We'll get more into the NBA draft. Of course, we'll talk more about the NBA playoffs just getting underway. A lot of stuff to get to here on Fox Sports Radio, so don't go anywhere. Once again, the Bernie Fratto Show We'll hook back up with Bernie Fratto here in just a few moments. Kevin Figures back with you from our Fox Sports Radio studios. So we try to reconnect here with Bernie Fratto. 877-996-3669 on Fox Sports Radio. Do not have Bernie back in the mix, but we'll get Bernie Fratto back here in the mix coming up in just a little bit. Last hour, talked a lot about Draymond Green and his suspension with the Golden State Warriors. Sacramento sitting with a 2-1 series lead there. Elsewhere around the NBA, lots to get to. We talk about the NFL draft coming up next Thursday. NFL always a big topic of conversation here on Bernie's show, and we'll get back to that once we get Bernie in the mix. Want to keep it in the NBA, though, and, and talk more about what's going on in the postseason. Last hour we talked about Draymond Green. We talked about the comments from Doc Rivers and how star, star players should get the star treatment and stop being goaded by other players. One of the other big storylines in the postseason is happening in – Memphis, Los Angeles, the Lakers and the Grizzlies. Lakers got out to a huge lead in game one, 
pretty much dominated the Grizzlies. John Morant goes down with the hand injury, misses game two, and Memphis picks up a humongous victory to tie that series as they get ready for game three tonight in Los Angeles. And, of course, the big topic, Dylan Brooks, the trash talk, (laughs) calling LeBron James old, which, look, LeBron poked fun at himself this offseason, calling himself the washed king. People talk about him coming into year 20. Has he lost a step? And look, yeah, he absolutely has. But look, I think we all wish that we can lose a step and still average 27.7 rebounds, 7 assists, and shoot better than 50% or just under 50% from the field. But I think LeBron James would tell you he did not play well in Game 2. Anthony Davis obviously did not play Yo, well Kevin. in Game 2 as well. Yes, Bernie, you back with us, brother? Yeah, why don't I just uh, take the rest of the night off and you keep rolling, <laughs> my man, okay? No, no, no. This, uh, the Kevin Figures uh, Show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just I'm just keeping the seat warm for you. Thank it's God all good. to the engineer uh, in Sherman Oaks. Uh, these things happen, folks. I think the unfortunate casualty tonight, the game Ethan has worked so hard on, and we've had a two-week hiatus uh, I think we're going to have to push to next week. At, at this time, we would be diving into uh, Bernie's backyard bunk and bench trivia game. And, uh, Ethan, I'll probably ask you to uh, repost the standings. We'll resume next week, folks. I apologize. Uh, these things happen in radio, as you know. Thank God we've got a great team back in Sherman Oaks. I'm not sure what, what the engineer found. It's, it's certainly above my pay grade, but... Uh, we are onward and upward, and we've still got two more hours of, of raucous craziness uh, to bring you. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm going to go back to the Draymond Green situation because I had a lot more to say. I want to thank David Bierman of Pro Football Network for joining us. Well, we're, we're going to dive much more heavily into the draft on my Saturday show. Uh, but back to the Draymond Green situation. We've got... Deja vu all over again, and and I gave my dissertation at the top of the show as to why, if you needed a rational explanation for what Joe Dumar's decision was, it was quite simple. His actions, we're talking about a gentleman here, 164 technical fouls in his career, 27 technical fouls during the playoffs alone, six flagrants, 17 ejections. He's been fined a million three in his career. So his antics the other night warranted that Joe Dumars take a look at this, his personal history, which I just shared with you. And then, of course, the actions having to do with engaging the fans, spontaneous combustion, people already invoked potential, you know, uh, malice at the palace. I was there. And the question I asked rhetorically was, can you imagine what would have happened if a beer cup would have been flying out of the stands and hit Draymond. What do you think he would have done? Laughed it off? No, I don't think so. You saw what he did to Jordan Poole at the beginning of the year. So obviously this is a gentleman who's got his own version of spontaneous combustion. And and, and again, Joe Dumars, I'm going to quote him. He says, here's what it came down to. Excessive and over-the-top actions, conduct, conduct detrimental, and a repeat offender. That's what separates this where you end up with a suspension. And again, Draymond's got a body of work going back eight years. Just ask Stephen Adams or the Cleveland Cavaliers or Jordan Poole, now DeMontis Sabonis. So I'm trying to figure out, right, what's more ridiculous, Draymond stomping on Sabonis' chest or his lame, weak-ass explanation afterward? Face it, Draymond. You wound up, you reared back, you jumped up, you stomped away. Okay? Purely intentional, and you know it. So hold that thought. What's going to happen here, we're going to get back to basketball, Okay. Golden State needs to win at least one game in Sacramento during the series if they're going to advance out of the first round. 
part of the issue that Golden State's facing is during the regular season, we know they were 11-30 on the road. That ranks 27th in the National Basketball Association. They only, uh, they're, they're allowing their opponents 122 points per game. That ranks 29th on the road. They're allowing their opponents north of 40% field goal percentage from behind the three-point line. That's 29th in the NBA. Teams who start 0-2, believe it or not, teams who start 0-2 in the first round of a series, they're, well, any NBA series, they lose 92% of the time. Now, I actually think, and, and give Sacramento credit, they were 25-16 and 16 on the road in the NBA this year, good for second, but they did lose the game Friday or Thursday night. And I think a lot of folks thought the Warriors might be in real trouble after Draymond was suspended. But give the Warriors and their cast and crew of other players big-time credit. They stepped up. They won by 17 points, 114-97. They avoid falling in a 3-0 hole. Give it up to Steph Curry, 36 points. Andrew Wiggins had 20. Kevon Looney pulled down 20 rebounds, dished out nine assists, and did a fabulous job on DeMontis Sabonis. The Warriors were also without Gary Payton. Another key defender, He, I guess he's out due to an illness. But again, give the Warriors and their championship DNA credit. Their reserves rose to the occasion. Dante DiVincenzo, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, they all saw increased minutes. They all played very well. DiVincenzo had eight assists, seven rebounds, four steals. They all communicate, or they all, uh, you know, contributed. And, and Steve Kerr, coach, head coach, said he thought they were fantastic. What I thought was interesting, if you watch the game, it was a surprisingly easy win for the Warriors after the first two games of the series because when both teams are at full strength, they were only decided by a total of 11 points, and now you take out one of Golden State's best players, a guy who's going to get Hall of Fame votes. I know I bagged on him pretty hard, but he's still been a phenomenal player. The question we're going to find out in the history books when they write him, did Draymond, did Draymond potentially cost his team another series? Maybe not because they won this game. Remember back game five in 2016 with the Warriors up 3-1, to one, he sat out that opened the door for Kyrie and LeBron and company with, uh, with Cleveland, and, uh, and, and the, you know, the, the Cavaliers ended up winning that series in 2016. So, look, it, from my view, this is all about Draymond. Here's what's so bothersome, and this is why you got to think when that incident happened, the Warriors were down three. Steph was getting ready to shoot a technical, and the Warriors would have had the ball. So Draymond, he's got to play Mickey the Dunce, engage in his addicts, first with Sabonis, and then the crowd. Green, uh, Draymond was assessed a, a flagrant two, ejected from the game, and the Warriors are right in it. And, and by the way, it, it, a couple of minutes later, they managed the Warriors managed to tie the game at 93, but then they could not get their mojo back. Kings outscored Golden State by eight to close out 114-106. But after uh, Draymond Green was ejected, the Kings scored 23 points in the final seven minutes. Juxtapose that with the fact that Sacramento scored only eight points in the first five minutes of the fourth quarter before Draymond was uh, ejected with about seven minutes to play. All right? So we know that Draymond is no stranger to extracurricular activities during the playoffs. He's constantly in people's faces. He's yelling, flexing, aggressively clapping, you know, and he, he, he's only gotten physical a couple times. But he's got this he, – Draymond has simply got this uh, gear 
that he must have been born with, or I don't know what happened in his life to make him so angry. Uh, and one of the reasons I, I called out Draymond so aggressively in, in the opening of the show is because for all of his accomplishments in life, and Coach Izzo loved him at at, at, uh, at Michigan State, and Draymond loved Coach Izzo. There was a real mutual respect there. And with Draymond on the floor, Golden State's better. He's a terrific passer. He's a terrific defender. He He makes good decisions with the ball. This dichotomy of the way he acts when he's not playing basketball or when he's got to do his podcast, I don't understand why all of his narratives seem to, you know, engage in a backdrop of grievance and victimization and, and self-loathing. He never misses a chance to do that. He even did it in his most recent podcast, which I didn't listen to. I just heard the sound bites. You know, oh, I didn't know you could get uh, uh, suspended for something seven years ago or engaging with crowds as flipping you the bird. No. Uh, cube mouse of the palace buddy joe dumars was there he's the one that made the decision and joe we trust but here's the deal and i'll be curious to see what draymond does in game four because from the opening tip he's constantly engaging in mental warfare with everyone from the players on the floor to the refs to the fans he he knows his value when it comes to trying to get in someone's head and he's also taken a few questionable fouls in his day too and opponents always know He's always on edge, which means they're willing to push the envelope back, and they're able to typically push Draymond over the line. I get, you see where I'm going with that? The irony is, Draymond Green, his stock and trade is getting under your skin, but the truth of the matter is, these incidents oftentimes get under Draymond's uh, skin as well, and not for the better. So when opponents clap back or do the things they're trying to do, is it cheap? Probably. But it's also the reality of the situation. And so Draymond has to be prepared for it. Now, they cannot afford to miss Draymond anymore in this series. They got it done Thursday night. Do I believe they'll hold serve uh, in game four? I do. I think the Warriors will. But their road struggles are real. They're going to have to win a game in Sacramento or they will not be the defending champs will not have a chance to advance and, 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 and defend their crown. The road struggles that the Warriors have had this year are fairly well baffling. All right. Interestingly enough, the Warriors last year as a championship team had a home record of 31 and 10. This year they were 33 and 8 at home. They actually had a better record, but they were dismal on the road, 11 and 30. The biggest glaring defense, their defense. Or the biggest glaring difference, excuse me, was their defense. Their defense was terrible in road games this season. They allowed. 11 more points per game on the road than in home games, right? So I will say this. Give it up to the Kings as well. They've played very good basketball. Uh, they've played their, you know, they played very good offensive basketball throughout the course of the year. Highly ranked offense. They didn't necessarily even play their best offensive basketball in the playoffs. They were only 9 of 38 in three-point attempts. But the key is, is the Kings made some real timely buckets down the stretch. Davion Mitchell hit the three from the corner to seal game two. De'Aaron Fox believed it was a nail in the coffin. So this is a skilled team. This is a talented team. Mike Brown has done a fabulous job. Unanimous coach of the year. Very well deserving. I like Sacramento's ball movement. I like the way they prosecute their offense in, in the game of basketball, the way it should be played to get everybody involved. The question is, when quantum physics takes over and the heat gets hot and it's hard to breathe, who prevails? If Draymond is on his game, I actually believe the Warriors are still going to win this series because the Warriors can win game four. Now it becomes a best of three with two of the three in Sacramento and one in Golden State. 
But can you imagine if it goes seven, who's all the pressure in the world on in game seven at home in Sacramento? And boy, the way it's been really impressive in that Golden One arena there. Coming up, I want to bring in the crew because I want to get Ethan and, and I want to get uh, Kevin's thoughts on the Draymond, Draymond situation. Do they agree he should have been suspended? Yes or no? If not, why? Where do they expect the series to go from here on out? Because from a fan standpoint, this has the chance to be a real doozy. Because not only is it being billed, the Battle of Northern California, you got two cities 80 miles apart, Sacramento ostensibly with an identity crisis, even though it is the state's capital. It's a very nice city, but it's not San Francisco. And I think there's, I hesitate to use the word inferiority complex, but they identify if their team can knock off Golden State and then make some noise in the playoffs. It would be a tremendous boon for the Sacramento Kings and their franchise. No playoff appearances in 19 years, and for years it was always referred to as basically basketball Siberia. So we'll chop that coming up. We'll chop that up coming up with Kevin and Ethan. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrock.com Studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Back on the Bernie Fratto Show, coming to you live from the Tarak.com studios here in Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Yet we bring you the Motown sound exclusively, even if it's covered by Phil Collins, who did a phenomenal job. Believe it or not, that song is 40 years old. Phil did that in 1983, but it holds up today just as well as it did back in 83. All right, Sunday, 1230 Pacific, 330 Eastern, Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors resume their soap opera. The Golden State Warriors have been installed as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They're a prohibitive favorite to win and even up the series. But what's been the storyline? Two words. Draymond, they rhyme with Draymond and Green. Let's start with Kevin. Kevin, let's deal with the suspension first. Um, do you believe the suspension was warranted in your view? And yes or no, and why? I believe it was warranted because of his history. I think generally speaking, you have to have a baseline level of discipline that's in place for certain infractions with flagrant fouls. And and I look, I know the NBA generally follows that. And look, maybe I use the example of Jordan Poole. If Jordan Poole did the exact same thing, probably it's a flagrant, but is he suspended? Likely not. But because this is Draymond Green and he has a certain history, you can't run away from that. And I know he tried to detract from it and say, I'm being punished for something I did six years ago. But it's not just based on what happened in the NBA Finals against Cleveland that year. He's had many issues where he's kind of pressed the line and been a little bit reckless in the way that he plays and taking not taking other players' safety uh, into consideration. So because of who he is, I, I fully support him being suspended for a game. 
Yeah, it's very well said, uh, Kevin. And, you know, to put a capper on this part of it, do you respond to my premise? And again, my years in Detroit, Joe Dumars and Joe We Trust. Joe was there. We were there for the Night of the Mouse at the Palace, November 19, 2004. Kevin, what do you think would have happened if a beer cup would have flown out of the stands and hit Draymond on the head? What do you think would have happened? Ooh. Well, I don't think that Draymond Green would have rushed into the crowd and tackled somebody, you know, like Ron Artest did. And I don't know if it would have incited a riot the way that that happened because that was that was just you know a black mark on the on the, sure. on the NBA. So I don't I don't because we have precedents for that. I'm sure things that uh, would have been would have been stopped, whether it's security, teammates, coaches, you know, what have you. Um, but and by the way, by the way, Bernie, it's like we were that far off from that happening. As Draymond Green walked off of the floor, he was egging on the fans. He definitely tried to incite them a little bit. Now, whether he wanted to get to that point, obviously, I don't think that's the case. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Joe Dumars, I believe, was still the general manager of the Pistons when that situation happened. President, team president. Yeah, I remember, like I know, you know. Yeah. Whenever I hear someone bring it up on the air. Uh, and I went on Doug Gottlieb's show a couple weeks ago just to reference this mm-hmm. after the Anthony Rendon situation. No one could have possibly seen that, and it's become the gold standard poster child for every bench-clearing fracas in the history of the world. Yeah. And we're coming up on the 19-year anniversary here in November. And you're right, there's no way we'll ever know. But Joe, is it fair, though, that Joe Dumars, in his decision to suspend Draymond, had it in the back of his mind that, it may not happen, but I can't take the chance. I, we have got, you know, we have got to be demonstrative here, even though Draymond might not like it. We're fed up with his act. We can't enable this anymore. Yeah, well, look, as someone who, and look, I think I think Joe would be honest and tell you, look, that he was on those bad boy teams that kind of pushed the line themselves. And I know yeah, it was a different, was. it was a different era. I understand the game was played differently back then too, but he's seen every iteration of this, being a player, being executive when that happened, and now overseeing these situations when it happens. Honestly, I think he's probably one of the best people to be in that sort of seat. And you're right, maybe in some people's eyes, Bernie, you see it, it's over aggressiveness on the front office's part to make this sort of action. But I think you have to send a message to say this is not this is the part of the game that we want to get away from we don't we don't want to see players getting stepped on inciting fights inciting violence and look Draymond Green is the poster child for that and uh we want to make an he's a defensive player of the year multiple time all-star we're gonna maybe make a bit of an example of him and because again of his reputation I certainly don't argue against it uh well said Uh, Ethan your thoughts do you agree with the suspension yeah no doubt I agree with the suspension he stepped on someone's chest I mean, I, to be honest, I think he should, it should have been uh, longer. I, it doesn't matter who it is. He 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 clearly stepped on his chest. Like it, it's, it, I don't I don't know anybody else. I mean, obviously, yeah. That's just my opinion. I I just think it. I, the suspension is uh, well deserved, and um, I think that if it was anybody else, they'd get a suspension like that too. Well, his Draymond's post game pre- uh, pre- uh, presser. Uh, and his lame explanation to me made my teeth itch. He said, well, I can only step so far, buddy. You wound up, you stepped up, you jumped up, and you did what you did. And if you don't know you did that, then you lack even more self-awareness than I thought. But let's just move, let's just move on. Let's look ahead. Sunday's game uh, is obviously must-see must TV. I am of the belief that when push comes to shove, Golden State's still going to win the series. Kevin, what do you expect to happen from here on out? Does Sacramento, you know, pin the bear, as it were, 
And does Draymond uh, straighten up and fly right, or do you expect more antics? Would, and how do you expect the outcome of the series to play out? I expect Draymond to be Draymond, Bernie, to be honest with you. He's not, and part of, I guess, his attitude goes along with the way that he plays as part of his edge. So I don't think we're going to have any sort of difference in the way that he plays or presents himself in this series. I was one of the few going into the series that thought Sacramento would actually win, and I thought they'd win in seven games. So it's kind of figuring out the way that I thought it'd be. I thought both teams would kind of hold serve at home. I know Sacramento's been better on the road than they've been at home. But Golden State has been so atrocious on the road this year. Mm. Uh, and they picked up that big victory the other night. And I think I expect them to win Sunday, to be honest with you. I thought this was going to be a nip and tuck series. Mm. And I thought for the length of the series, because uh, the Kings play at such a fast breakneck pace, that it would end up wearing down Golden State uh, at the end. And I thought they'd end up winning in seven games in Sacramento. So that's kind of so the series has kind of played out the way I thought it would to this point, to be honest. Okay, so you just sort of answered the question I was going to ask. Uh, in order for Golden State to close this deal, they will have to win one on the road. It could either be Game 5 or Game 7, but they're going to have to win one on the road, assuming they uh, hold serve at home, and you expect them to do that. All right, I think we're in, we're in agreement on that. Ethan, final thoughts, who wins the series? I'm going with the uh, Kings. Okay. Uh, seven, Sacramento. I think uh, uh, the Warriors win all their games in San Francisco. And we just, yeah, I agree. Seven, seven games, San, uh, uh, Sacramento. Hey, this will be fun to watch, guys. And uh, I guess I wouldn't surprise you if that happened either. I have a lot of respect for the Sacramento team and the way they play and Coach Mike Brown. Uh, I'm going to stick with my prediction, but I, I can very easily be wrong. And again, in case you missed it, a couple things. Draymond, 164 technical fouls in his career, 27 technical fouls in the playoffs. Six flagrant fouls, 17 ejections. He's been fined over a million three in his career. He's had incidents going back to 2016. And remember, teams who start 0-2, they only win 8% of the time. Sacramento also 25-16 and 16 on the road. If they steal one in Golden State, it might be moot, but that's why they play the games. This is going to be really fun to watch. Now, I got a tweet from a gentleman and it actually made a lot of sense. And his name is uh, Austin, uh, or check that, ahead news. He said, self-proclaimed King LeBron James versus Dylan Brooks. Talk about Dylan Brooks. He's right. I'm going to talk about Dylan Brooks coming up. But first, let's go back to our guy, full-time update hanker, part-time show host, a man of <laughs> many trades, Guaranteed not to break Ben Russ bust but the dust chip cracker peel is the inimitable Kevin Figures with the uh, Thank you, Bernie. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll start with the NBA. A three-game slate on Friday night in the NBA playoffs. We have the Nuggets now having a commanding three-nothing series lead over Minnesota. They picked up a 120 to 111 victory, 20 points, 11 rebounds, 12 assists for Nikola Jokic, his seventh career playoff triple-double. Anthony Edwards scoring 36 in the loss for Minnesota. Earlier in the night, Trey Young and DeJounte Murray combined for 57 points. They led the Hawks to a 130-122 to 122 victory over Boston, cutting the Celtics' lead in the series to two games to one. The Knicks went up 2-1 in their series over Cleveland after a 99-79 victory, despite Julius Randle shooting just 3 of 15 from the field. Stanley Cup playoffs on Friday, 2-1 series lead for each team each of these victors on Friday, including the Kings, they beat Edmonton in overtime 3-2. Minnesota over Dallas 5-1. Boston a 4-2 victory over Florida. Islanders dominating Carolina 5-1. Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani, seven shutout innings leading the Angels over Kansas City. The Mets shut out the Giants 7-0. Zach Gallen, 11 strikeouts for the Diamondbacks. They shut out the Padres 9-0. You also had victories for the Phillies, Astros, and the Mariners. Back to Bernie Fratto. 
All right, thanks, uh, Kevin. So uh, another game I'm very much looking forward to uh, that tips off about 12 hours from now, um, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Lakers. The series returns to Los Angeles. They'll play the next two there. Currently, the series is tied 1-1. Interestingly enough, after dropping game one at home, uh, the Grizzlies came back without their star, John Morant, who I think most would agree is a superstar, certainly a superstar in the making. But thanks to depth, coaching, whatever, the, the numbers don't lie. And Memphis has proven they're just as good, if not better, without Morant on the floor. I didn't, again, I only saw the one game. I didn't see all the games this year that John Morant didn't play. But what I saw the other night, better ball movement, more assists, actually, I think Memphis was better defensively without Ja. And I give it up to Tyus Jones, who did a hell of a job. But interestingly enough, just to reset this, the Grizzlies, missing their best player, squashed the Lakers in their hopes to return home two up to zip. They not only won, they won by 10, held the Lakers to 93 points. It's a one-to-one series. The game did get closer in the last few minutes, but was never really in doubt. Very impressive performance. Uh, Memphis showing you why they're the West number two seed. Now, I got a feeling whoever wins game three is going to win the series. The person to watch is Dylan Brooks because for whatever reason, he decided to channel his inner Draymond Green. And after Thursday night's win, he said he, quote, wanted to antagonize LeBron James. Then Dylan Brooks called LeBron James old and lamented never having the chance to guard LeBron when he played for the Cavs, or he played for the Heat, his words, the Cavs or Heat version, because, quote, it would have been a harder task, right? And then Dylan Brooks went on to say, quote, I poke bears. I don't respect no one until they come give me 40 points. That's what Dylan Brooks said after the game. James did score 28 points and grab 12 rebounds. Well, but the Lakers got beat. By the way, if you are of the betting sort, the the betting markets have put up a line, the over-under for points scored Saturday by LeBron is 28, but there's another line. If LeBron scores 40, that line is plus 650, which means $100 would bring you back 650. Do I think LeBron will score 40? No, I don't, because I think he's going to get his teammates involved, and the teammates and the supporting cast have done well. Now, Anthony Davis is always a wild card, but I will tell you, when he decides he wants to play defense, play perimeter defense, he's a beast. But you don't never know what you're going to get. Look, LeBron, LeBron James is 38. He's not the LeBron of old. He's been very good this year, though, right? And I think for whatever reason, the Memphis Grizzlies want to continue to perpetrate this persona what Brooks isn't, he said the other day in his mentality, it's, it sort of falls in line with how the Grizzlies have carried themselves these last two seasons. They're all full of bravado. But remember, there, you know, there was an anonymous poll uh, that voted Dylan Brooks as one of the league's biggest trash talkers, and they even call him the Memphis Kids, but they haven't accomplished anything yet. So why Dylan Brooks wants to engage in this is beyond me. Maybe he fires him up. I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is show business. This is a circus. However you want to, however you want to characterize it. I will say this though, because of what Dylan Brooks said, 
And because this is a referendum, these playoffs are a referendum on whether or not the Memphis Grizzlies are going to let a great season go to waste and whether or not they're ready to step up and be primetime or, in fact, they're not ready for primetime players. This series against the Lakers is going to be a referendum on how Memphis is viewed, certainly now and very much heading into next year. Because talk is cheap. Don't tell me, show me. That only adds to the fuel and makes Saturday's Lakers-Grizzlies game, Saturday at 1230, Department of Redundancy Department, all the much more interesting. Because now we will watch the Dylan Brooks-LeBron James sideshow, the sideshow more on Dylan Brooks' side. LeBron has really taken the high road on this one. And we'll see if John Morant returns. And frankly, if he doesn't, I don't think that, at least in the short term, I don't think the Memphis Grizzlies are worse for wear. I know they worked him out before game two, and his pain threshold did not allow him to handle the ball or shoot the ball the way he would have wanted to. It would have been a detriment. And by the way, Tyus Jones is a hell of a player. He's seventh, eighth year in the league, and he just signed an extension, and he's worth it. So the NBA has kind of become the NFL, if you've noticed lately, with their next man up mentality. And so we will see what happens. But, again, more grist for the mill, Dylan Brooks, throwing shade at LeBron, and when they get on the floor, we will see if he lives to regret that or, in fact, Dylan Brooks backs it up. Coming up, little news out of the NFL today, and if you don't buy now after watching what happened to Calvin Ridley last year, missed an entire year, understand the simplicity behind the NFL uh, gambling policy, and shame on you. That's on you. There was some news today, and I will tell you, the Detroit Lions are not happy about it. I'll explain. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio uh, studios here in Las Vegas, the Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. This is Steve Cavino and Rich Davis, and together we are Cavino and Rich. Cavino and Rich. Thanks, buddy. Uh, that's right, Cavino and Rich, Fox Sports Radio's newest hit show, heard weekdays from 5 to 7 Eastern, 2 to 4 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Every Cavino and Rich show is available as a podcast. Just search Covino and Rich wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. I'm such a rockin' dude. The show features our unique take on sports, injected with some fun, humor, and relatability. Listen to Covino and Rich five days a week on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Covino and Rich, give me a hell yeah! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show, coming to you live from the 
TireRack.com studios of Fox Sports Radio here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. What is the NFL's policy on gambling? Well, it's pretty simple. The NFL's gambling policy prohibits anyone in the NFL from, quote, engaging in any form of gambling in any club or any league facility or venue, including the practice facility. Now, to be clear, players are not prohibited from gambling on sports. They are prohibited from gambling on the NFL anywhere at any time. They're not prohibited from having a little fun, throwing a few shekels on another game or such, but not in the facility. Oh, by the way, just so you know, not the same rules for NFL personnel. So I don't care if you're the team secretary, chief cook and bottle washer, finance director, whatever. If you're a non-player at NFL personnel, you cannot bet on anything. It's grounds for termination. But moreover, the story that emerged today was as a result from breaking the first part of the rule, which I just mentioned, which means you cannot engage in any form of gambling at any club or league facility, including practice facilities. Now, the beautiful facility facility the Lions built at Allen Park 20 years ago, I've been to many times, right next to the 94 freeway. Four Lions players, including their 2022 first-round pick, Jameson Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama, which, by the way, Already missed 11 games last year because the poor guy had a torn ACL in uh, the national championship game against Georgia the year before. But his career's off to a rocky start. He's going to be a hell of a player. He's incredible. Take the top off of a defense like nobody I've seen. Now he's going to miss seven, six more games this year. So he'll have missed 17 games already. That's got to really throw Dan Campbell and, and the Ford family and everybody involved for a loop because the Lions are on the upswing and to have this kind of news today just can't sit well. But Jamison Williams, the wide receiver, again, first-round pick out of Alabama, he was among five players league-wide uh, that was suspended for for violating the NFL's gambling policy, and this was an investigation that had gone on for a bit of time. The Lions also had a wide receiver. You, you remember him out of Wisconsin. He was very talented. His name is Quintez Cephas. Uh, safety by the name of C.J. Moore, they they were suspended indefinitely for betting NFL games, which means they will not see the field in the NFL in 2023, nor will they see it for the Lions, because I believe the Lions cut them both. Now, the Washington Commanders, they have a defensive end named Shaka Tony. All those guys can, can apply for reinstatement after one year, but Detroit announced again that Cephas and uh, C.J. Moore, the safety, have been, you know, they've been released. So, Jamison Williams and another receiver, Stanley Berryhill, they only are suspended for six games. Why? Because they engaged in mobile betting on their app, which occurred at the Lions Allen Park facility, but it was confirmed they did not bet on NFL games. But the NFL made sure to make note in its announcement, you know, that they wanted to make sure that they uncovered no evidence indicating that any inside information was used or any game was compromised by the players' betting. Obviously, you know how hyper-vigilant the NFL is going to be about that. So, yeah, we got the news today, but actually the Lions became aware of this investigation about a month ago before the league uh, reached their final decision. And uh, 
basically Brad Holmes, the Detroit general manager, released a statement sharing with folks that as a result of the NFL investigation, it came to their attention that a few of their players had you know, violated the gambling policy. And then Brad Holmes went on to say, quote, these players exhibited decision-making that is not consistent with our organizational values. It violates league rules. We have made the decision to part ways with Quintez Cephas and C.J. Moore immediately. We are disappointed by the decision-making demonstrated by Stanley and Jameson as well. Those two six games will work with both players to ensure they understand the severity of the violations and have clarity on the league rules moving forward. Now, separate from these punishments... This is also interesting because, as you will know, I mean, look, the NFL has come a hell of a long way. I've talked about it many times back in 2004 when I was in Detroit, 97-1 CBS. We wanted to get an NFL representative on the air to discuss why the NFL would not accept advertisers from the Las Vegas Visitors Convention Bureau for Super Bowl 38 in Houston. I mean, recently, as many as what's recent as six, seven, eight years ago, Tony Romo wanted to do a a fantasy football conference here in uh, Las Vegas, and that got kiboshed. This is all before the advent of PASPA, which was overturned in 2018, which legalized sports betting. betting. Now, the NFL, which wouldn't even endorse uh, fantasy football, now has you know fantasy football connected to their website. And we all know that sports betting drives the NFL to even greater heights than it ever would have been. Who else is going to stay engaged? In a 42 to three game with three minutes to go, unless you got a bet on the on the total, most likely whether or not it's going to go over or stay under. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, because sports betting, 95, 98 percent of the people who engage in it, uh, they enjoy it. It's the same kind of entertainment as going to a movie. It's an adrenaline rush. Most people think they bet to win money. They don't really. They think they do, but they get really they get high making the bet. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, most. Betters are rapidly mobile, educated, they can afford it most. Some, like with most vices in life, they get themselves into trouble, but betting is, you know, drugs are harmless, prob- are harmful to probably 100% of the people that take them. Betting is only harmful to a very small percentage of the people that do it. It enhances the viewing participation of the sport. It feeds a competitive spirit and uh, that competitive drive that most betters have. But this is a situation, though, that the NFL, if you cross that line, if someone ever starts to doubt the integrity of the outcome like WWE, then you're having a problem. And I think one of the things the Lions wanted to do and the commanders, they, they both said, look, listen, we've cooperated fully with the NFL's investigation and all other questions on the topic that were firm to the league office, but we've, 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 we've uh, cooperated fully. And even Jamison Williams, <clears throat> he's represented by an organization called the Lions Sports and I give them top credit. They actually released a statement of apology on the behalf of the receiver. They said Jamison, quote, takes full responsibility for his actions. He's very apologetic to the NFL, his teammates, fans, city of Detroit. However, it's important to note that Jamison's violation was not for betting on football, but rather to a technical rule regarding the actual location in which the online bet was placed and which would otherwise be allowed by the NFL outside of the club's facility. But how does he not know that? He says he would never intentionally jeopardize the integrity of the game he loves so much. I, I want to believe that, but how do you not know? They have these Ricky symposiums. How do you not know you can't place a bet of any sort on, you know, league premises or check that, team, team premises? Listen, let me end this on a positive note. 
The Lions traded up to get Jameson Williams at number 12 in the 2022 draft. He showed real flashes. He had a limited role. He had that 41-yard touchdown catch against the Minnesota Vikings. Is the only pass he caught all year. And he'd been working out with Goff in California to develop chemistry. And he was even on site in Dallin Park this past week for voluntary offseason workouts. So I want to see him come back and play. And uh, Kevin brought up a good point earlier about making an example out of Draymond. Well, the NFL is going to make an example out of anybody who bets. So when you look at Cephas, Moore, Tony, it's like, you know, last year, Calvin Ridley, the Jaguars wide receiver, missed the entire 2022 season over bets he made in November that included his team, the Atlanta Falcons. There you have it. Keep it locked. The Bernie Fratto Show continues on Fox Sports Radio. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Well, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Friday Show keeps rolling right along. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping. Free road hazard protection and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Quickie here to note, I want to thank Grogu, not Baby Yoda. That's his Twitter handle. Just reminded me correctly, the Clippers actually have the 1230 afternoon game in Los Angeles. The Lakers will play at 7 o'clock Pacific. And uh, our, our man, Mark Medina, will join us midnight. Medina Magic will cut, will uh, chop up the NBA and talk. Mark will be at actually both of those games at the Crypt on Saturday. Uh, Clippers, Phoenix, and then Lakers, uh, Grizzlies at seven. All right. Believe it or not, the end. Major League Baseball is considering further rule changes, and these rule changes are being experimented in the minor leagues. They're on a roll here. I guess why stop now? Why? We are 10% through the 2023 version of the Major League Baseball season. And the pace of play dramatically improved. The nine-inning game is down a full half an hour, 30 minutes, compared to the same number of days in 2022. At this point last year, 10% into the season, it took about three hours and seven minutes to play a Major League Baseball game. And it took, and now it takes two hours and 37 minutes. Check. They accomplished what they wanted. Offense. Wanted more offense for the fans. Runs up up 1.4 per game compared to the same number of days in 2022. Uh, This year, uh, last time this year, or last year this time, excuse me, 
Eight runs a game now up to 9.4. That's more offense. It's more excitement for the fans. Batting average is up 20 points compared to the same number of games at this point last year. Stolen bases, an exciting aspect of baseball. Not only have stolen bases increased dramatically to the highest level in 20 years, they're now 1.7 attempts per nine-inning game. The success rate on stolen base attempts is up dramatically. It's about 80%, which is up about seven percentage points from last year. And let me tell you why that's significant. Maybe the greatest base dealer of all time, Ricky Henderson, he, his success rate was about 80%. So what have we done? We've turned what? All the Major League Baseball player base dealers into Ricky Henderson's? I don't know, maybe. All right, so with the Major League Baseball on a roll, Rob Manfred getting his flowers, Major League Baseball is not considering further rule changes, and they're actually being experimented now in the minor leagues. So because the advent of the 20-second pitch clock is substantially cut down on game times and banning over shifting and increasing the size of the bases seems to have worked as well, and the fans have enjoyed, enjoyed the changes, even though, believe it or not, this slays me. Uh, some fans are complaining the games are... <laughs> Too short. You know, oh, I go to the concession stand to get a beer and a hot dog. I miss three innings. Okay, they eat before the game. Stop it. The same people were complaining that the games were too long and they were too slow and too deliberate and batters were taking too much time between pitches and pitchers were, uh, you know, fiddling around too much. They didn't like it. The games become so specialized because you got five pitchers every game now. You got your starter, you got your middleman, your long man, your short man, your mop up man, your, your closer. Right, and all of those are game stoppages. Well, you can't have it both ways, okay? You can't have it both ways. But if you're a major league fan who's not happy with the changes, get ready because there's more coming. The Associated Press reported that Major League Baseball announced there could be several potential rule changes on the horizon just this last Tuesday. Right now, they're experimenting in the Atlantic League, which is an independent minor league that is partnering with Major League Baseball to test some of these new ideas. One of the changes includes a designated pinch runner. One of them includes what's called a double hook designated hitter. And they're also experimenting with limiting, uh, limiting a pitcher's ability to make pickoff moves. I guess they would reduce it from two down to one. Is that what it would be? So I guess, you know, Rob Manfred spoke to the media. Mm, when was it? I don't know, a while back. What, okay, so what do these changes mean? The designated pinch runner. By the way, this is not new. We actually had this in high school when I was playing high school baseball. Where this, you, you know, and part of it was for pitcher on base. He could go back and, you know, put his jacket on and be ready between innings. Catchers could be pinch run for so they could have the gear on to speed the game up, that kind of stuff. But if they implemented in the major leagues, which is, just, again, this is currently being tested in the minor leagues in the Atlantic League, the, de the quote-unquote designated pinch runner would mean that a bench player would could enter the game at any point as a substitute base runner. And both players would be able to return to the game even after the sub. So let's say you run for the catcher. The catcher doesn't leave the game. He stays in the game. And the designated pinch runner could reenter the game at another time. Okay? And the example Major League Baseball game was, gave was just that. Does he have a slow-running catcher who reaches first to lead off an inning? Managers could replace him with a faster bench player. Try to grab a run, take advantage of the speed, steal a base, and the catch over. The catcher takes over behind the plate again for the next half inning. And then the bench player 
goes back to the bench, he could still be used as this universal pinch hitter later on. Now, what's a double hook rule for the designated hitter? What the hell does that all mean? That's a little bit more punishing. If a starting pitcher doesn't last five innings, as you know, the team loses its DH spot. But if the starter goes through five, they keep the DH. But if they don't, the pitcher's spot has to hit from the remainder of the game. As for pickoffs, that's another rule they're looking at. The league is now instituting a, 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 you know, a two-disengagement system for 2023. You know what that means. Guy gets on first or any base. A pitcher can only maneuver to pick him off twice. If you do it a third time, you better pick him off or you're going to be in violation and the runner's awarded a base. Essentially, pitchers now, they can step off and throw over twice. But again, if they do it a third time and you don't pick the runner off, you're going to be assessed the penalty. Well, the Atlantic League is now actually testing a single disengagement system. In theory, that would cut down on game times even further. And so, you know, look, the Atlantic League has been used before. In, in, in the experimental rules over the last couple of years for the shifts, for the pitch clock, for the bigger bases. And, uh, you know, it, it's all designed this, you know, the, the word coming from the ivory tower is everybody. This has always been designed to merely emphasize the athleticism in major league baseball, create more offense, more action, less downtime, less standing around, improve pace of play, and give the fans what they want to see, which is action. They want to see action, and now they're seeing it. So the real question is, these three new additional changes, could they really make it to Major League Baseball? Well, it's got to be tested. It's being tested in the Atlantic League, like I said. Um, from what I'm told, the designated hitter change feels like something that has very little chance of making it through to Major League Baseball, as does the disengagement rule. So... I don't think they're going to change the pickoff rule anytime soon, reduce it from two down to one. And I also don't think the designated hitter, uh, the double hook rule, is going to have an, you know uh, find their way into Major League Baseball anytime soon. However, the designated base runner, that's a concept that's caught Major League's eye, the Major Leaguer's eye. They, they, you know, faster players equals you know more excitement, more sto more stolen bases, more first to third. We're trying to score, and so that's something that I think has a chance of, you know, being implemented in Major League Baseball. It won't be in 2023, but it could be maybe as soon as next year. That said, replacing catchers every time they reach base uh, creates a delay. Okay, that creates another delay when you bring in the pitch runner, but be that as it may. Uh, baseball, I think, is continuing to tinker with the game because they are so excited about the changes and, you know, what has happened and how even the most seasoned veterans who cover baseball now, but maybe they've only been covering it for 10 years, they don't remember that baseball used to look like this. This is exactly what baseball used to be. There's something to be said for the hit and run, the stolen base, give me a ground ball to the right side, drop a bunt, manufacture runs instead of waiting around for home runs. And, uh, you know, the, the Baltimore Airs had a, pitching coach years ago named Ray Miller Rabbit. You know, work fast, throw strikes, work fast, throw strikes. That's that's the way the game was played, and then it became far more specialized. And you know what I mean by that. And then the shift got out of control, and one thing led to another, and the game didn't resemble anymore. Now people say you don't recognize the game. Well, I recognize it's the way it used to be. 
But be that as it may, listen, uh, ballparks are packed. People are enjoying it. Baseball is in the news. Uh, it is America's pastime. I get it. It's not as popular in 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 in, in the sense of its intensity as the National Football League because it's only played one day a week. But I promise you, if you took away sports betting from the National Football League and you took away fantasy leagues and the like, you might not be as interested as you as you are. But be that as it may, all this is designed for baseball to continue to be a fan favorite. Uh, it's played every day. It is a pastime. You pass the time. It's learned from fathers and sons. And uh, so far, so good. I mean, people are responding favorably. So now the question will be, well, baseball, are you going to continue to tinker and go too far or not? We shall see. I would say two of those three changes will not make it. The pickoff move and the double hook, double hook designated hitter rule. But you might see the pinch runner rule is earliest is 2024. We shall see. Coming up, baseball also in the news. Because here in Las Vegas, a certain franchise who's been threatening to move, who's been allegedly wanting to move for a long time, may have taken a major step forward based on what happened earlier this past week. Now, I will tell you, let me preface this by saying there are a lot of details that are nowhere near being resolved. But at least I will tell you what happened from an execution standpoint this past week and where your Oakland A's could be playing as early as 2027. Although I'm not predicting it, I am sharing with you what could happen in light of an event that took place this week. I'm Bernie Friday. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, TireRack.com Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Friday Show on Fox Sports Radio. Com Studios here in Las Vegas. Want to remind everybody tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. The Oakland A's issued a statement last Tuesday. Quote, the A's have signed a binding agreement to purchase land for a future ballpark in Las Vegas. We realize this is a difficult day for our Oakland fans and community. For more than 20 years, the A's have focused on securing a new home for the club and have invested unprecedented time and resources for the past six years to build a ballpark in Oakland. Even with support from fans, leaders in the city, county, and state level, and throughout the broader community, the process to build a new ballpark in Oakland has made little forward progress for some time. We have made a strong and sincere effort to stay here. We recognize this is very hard to hear. We are disappointed that we have been able to achieve our shared version of the waterfront ballpark. So as we shift our focus to Vegas, we will continue to share details about the next steps. The land that the binding agreement involves is a little plot of land over, if you're familiar with Las Vegas, Tropicana and Dean Martin. It's on the west side, northwest side of the corner of Tropicana and Dean Martin. Uh, there is a, there, there there used to be an old uh, casino there called the Wild West Gambling Hall. Now, the team president, Dave Caval, he said Wednesday that the deal was finalized a week ago to buy this 49-acre site, and the A's plan to build a stadium close to the Las Vegas Strip. It'll seat be 30 to 35,000 people. Now, not to be left out, our Clark County Commissioner, Michael Naff, said the new ballpark would be Again, reiterating what I said, 
Biltner, Tropicana, and Dean Martin. This is right near the Strip. It's just blocks away from Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play and very close to T-Mobile Arena where the Golden Knights play in concerts and things of that nature, right? So what happens next? Well, someone's got to pay for the stadium. There are a hell of a lot of details that are left on, you know, unanswered that should come out over time. But their belief is that the, you know, the, the team, the A's, will work with Nevada and Clark County. Clark County is the county where the city of Las Vegas resides. And they're going to construct what they believe will be a, quote, public-private relationship to fund the stadium. Now, uh, Dave Caval, he's the team president, again, of, of the Oakland A's. Uh, he, he basically said the A's hope to break ground by next year and hope to move into their new home by 2027. I'm going to be straight with you. I have no idea if any of this is going to happen. I don't. If you if you ask me to put a percentage on it, I'd say 50-50. I could be dead wrong or it could might never happen. You just don't know. I know there are a lot of factions behind the scenes on both sides of the aisle that have yet to have their voice heard. And believe me, ever have after having observed the political football being tossed around before Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders play was built, you have to live here to know what a highly charged confrontational event that was. Now, T-Mobile, that was a no-brainer. Bill Foley and the Golden Knights, they basically paid for the paid for the darn thing. Okay, and, and that, that, that was wonderful. Plus, that was a brand-new expansion hockey team. Vegas won in hockey. It's been incredibly successful here by any measure. And it's Vegas' own team, Vegas-born Golden Knights. Now, the A's came here. That was someone else's team, but you know the story there. Now, the A's is a different situation, right? I, I get they've been looking for a home for years to replace their stadium. It's it's outdated. It's run down. The team's played there since 1968. They talked about building stadiums in Fremont. They talked about building stadiums in San Jose. Then finally, they they looked like the Oakland waterfront was gaining traction, but alas, is, at least as of now... April, you know, 22nd, 2023, seems to be dead in the water. And, you know, if you're scoring at home and hope you are, this would be the fourth home for that athletics franchise since they played in Philadelphia, where our guy Ethan's from, from 1901 to 1954. Then, of course, they moved to Kansas City and uh, and then, of course, Oakland. Um, but they're turning their full attention to Las Vegas. And commissioner, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, said in December that if the team moved to Las Vegas, the A's would not have to pay the relocation fee. He said, uh, you know, we're past any reasonable timeline for the situation in Oakland be resolved. I think Rob Manfred is rooting for the, I don't want to put words in the mouth, feels like he's rooting for the A's to move to Vegas. I don't know how the people in Nashville feel about that. I don't know how the people in Salt Lake City feel about that. I think Orlando, Montreal, even Portland, these are all teams that would probably love to have a major league team in their in their area. And maybe that happens someday. And I know that if the stadium's built here, they're talking about a million and a half, a billion, <laughs> sound like Austin Powers, <laughs> a billion and a half, 1.5 billion. It's going to have to be a retractable roof stadium. You know, you're not going to be able to play baseball in 110 degree heat. And it's same as Arizona, no different. Same situation, right? So... Of course, the mayor of Oakland, Shang Thao, you know, checked in as well. 
She said that she was very disappointed that the A's didn't negotiate as a true partner. I'm not going to get involved in that one, but just to tell the full story, her premise was the city of Oakland had gone above and beyond in their attempts to arrive at a mutually beneficial situation to keep the A's in Oakland. And the mayor of Oakland went on to say that in the last three months, they'd made significant strides to close the deal. But she said it's clear that the A's really don't have any intention to stay in Oakland, and they've been simply using the process to extract a better deal out of Las Vegas. All along, I thought it was the other way around. I honestly thought if we just came up a year ago and even before that, the A's must have made five or six trips here to look at land, and I kept saying to myself, who's going to pay for the land, who's going to pay for the stadium? Still don't really know I, until they tell us. I just don't know. But I had always thought, frankly, if I'm being honest, that I thought the A's were using Las Vegas as leverage to get a better deal in Oakland. So, and of course, the mayor went on to say, you know, she's proud of what they accomplished as a city. Uh, they have over $375 million in new infrastructure investment that's going to benefit Oakland, the port, uh, the port area, uh, the Howard Terminal area. But at this point, it doesn't look like the Oakland A's are, are part of that. For what it's worth, the Oakland A's would be the only, the second Major League Baseball team to change cities in 50 years. Here's a trivia question for you. Who was the last team to do it? Well, that would be 1972 when the Washington Senators moved to Texas to become the Texas Rangers. And the only other team to re relocate uh, would, would be the Montreal Expos. They became the Washington Nationals in 2005, right? And, and so it doesn't happen very often, does it? And I don't think it's good for baseball, frankly, when it happens, although the Washington Nationals have been terrific. And I think the Texas Rangers have, you know, been a competitive franchise and beautiful. They're, on their, they're running their second stadium in Dallas Globe Life. The original stadium they built back in 93 was sensational. Uh, but they're already on their second stadium, which, which takes us back to the Coliseum in Oakland, the site of many historical events, actually, including where the Oakland Raiders used to play. That lease expires after the 2024 season. Now, the A's, and I, I don't really bash the A's. I know they're, they haven't spent a lot of money, and they're struggling this year. But what if I told you they've won 90 games five times in the last 10 years and been to the playoffs five or six times in the last 11 years? So it's not a moribund franchise. It just feels like they're stuck in a black-and-white movie. And uh, one of the things that doesn't help the Oakland A's is on opening day this year, they had the lowest payroll in all of baseball, 58 million total. To give that some perspective, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, <laughs> they, they're, they're, they, they both make 43 million each. Two, you know, one pitcher almost makes as much as the entire, uh, you know, as the as the Oakland A's. By the way, uh, again, the team's is like three and 17 this year. They've been outscored by 86 runs. On and on and on. This is the opening salvo. This is the opening statement and what I believe will be a long, protracted story that will be drawn out. And I promise you on this show, we will have updates as they come. And there will be updates because it will have to be a very aggressive time frame if the A's want to get this done. And even now, if everything goes perfectly, which we don't know that it will, they're talking about moving into the new stadium here in Las Vegas 2027 well, the lease expires at the end of the 2024 season, so 25-26 should be interesting. I guess they'd even have to rent the Coliseum back or find some temporary place to play. 
But as they say, not my problem. But I'm curious to see what happens and how it plays out. We will have it all for you. Coming up, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first... Let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest. All right, Bernie. Well, we had three games on the NBA playoffs late Friday, but some uh, major injury news uh, as well. Clippers 4, Kawhi Leonard will miss game four against Phoenix with a knee sprain. Of course, he missed game three, which L.A. hung in there, but ended up losing. So Phoenix with a 2-1 series lead there and now looks to go up 3-1 with Kawhi Leonard out of the lineup in game four on Saturday night. Also, you have the 76ers. They have a three games to none lead over Brooklyn in their series, and they will be without center Joel Embiid for game four. He is dealing with a knee sprain of his own. As to the action on Friday night, Denver up 3-0 now over Minnesota after a 120-111 victory. Knicks take a 2-1 series lead. They dominated Cleveland 99-79. Atlanta picking up its first victory of the postseason, a 130-122 victory over Boston to cut the Celtics' lead to two games to one. In Major League Baseball, you have the Mets hammering the Giants 7-0. Shohei Otani striking out 11 in seven shutout innings as the Angels beat the Royals 2-0. Arizona a shutout San Diego 9-0 Toronto a 6-1 victory over the Yankees in the NHL the Kings took a 2-1 series lead with an overtime victory over Edmonton you also had wins and 2-1 series leads for Minnesota Boston and the Islanders back to Bernie Fratto all right thanks Kevin well believe it or not in just a few hours Wrexham has a chance a team owned by Ryan Reynolds to in the er, er, in this era of relegation to actually move up it's that time we bring you Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. Well, Chris, uh, in one of your reports probably about a year ago or maybe more, you reported that Ryan Reynolds had bought in Wrexham and they're possibly going to get a Hollywood ending here in a few hours. If they win their match, they'll be promoted. That's right, Bernie. World of so, soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, two actors from Hollywood, basically went out and bought Wrexham about a so a year ago, coinciding with the start of the uh, FX documentary series, Welcome to Wrexham. Very much so in kind of the, the mold of Ted Lasso, but also with kind of a half-hard knock feel to it, right? Like they wanted to make Ted Lasso, but real. It had those same kind of Ted Lasso feel-good vibes, and there was always a question about it. For, for those who don't know the backstory, Wrexham is a Welsh club that is in what's called the English National League. It is basically the fifth tier of, of, of the English soccer system. There is at the top the Premier League, then there's the English Football League. There's three tiers of that, the Championship, League One, and League Two. And then below that is the National League. And then even farther down from that is, division, is, like, is regional league. And Wrexham has spent 15 years in the wilderness trying to get back out. There used to be a very well-decorated not the most decorated club in, in the in the land, but, you know, for for the mass amount of clubs in England and Wales, fairly well decorated. They've been in the National League for, you know, a long time. If they get promoted here, it'd be the first time in about 15 years or so to get back up to the English Football League. Right now, they sit at the top of the National League table with 107 points. Two games left to be played. The next closest team, Knotts County, at 103. Now, Knotts County is actually going to play about three hours here before Wrexham does. They'll be playing 
uh, what is the name of the club? Uh, Maidstone United, who's at the bottom of the National League table. Uh, assumption is they're going to win there, but if they lose, Rexham could have it sewed up, and but they could sew it up on their own uh, terms either way with just three points over Borumwood. That game is going to be at 10.30 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time here in the States. They'll be hosting them, and they would want to try to sew that up at home. They have one more match after that where they play Torque Play United. And even if they don't manage to sew up the top two to seven in the National League, get in a, a promotion playoff, but this takes you directly at the top to go straight to to the English Football League. And it would be a huge coup for, for Ryan Reynolds, for Rob McElhenney, for what they've done to just really bring hope to a club that has really worked its its tail off to try to get back to prominence. Got to give Ryan Reynolds huge credit. He went in all in with both feet. You know, he's married to Blake Lively. They have four kids. Word has it, uh, Chris, that Reynolds just bought a $2 million home in Marford, which is this posh area of Wrexham. So he's not playing around. I remember when Matt Millen, as you well remember, was president (laughs) of the Lions, several of the worst years of my life. He never even moved from Pennsylvania oh, to Detroit. No, no. <laughs> but Ryan Reynolds, they have, they have fully embraced Wrexham. They like yeah. you, you will see plenty of small-time owners kind of come in and out of even lower tiers in English soccer. There's been a lot of financial problems across soccer. A lot of owners who jump in, they're from India or from the States. They have no clue what they're doing. They just kind of throw some money around or assume they're getting something easy. To the credit of, of McElhenney and Reynolds, they they have not only navigated and understand, especially McElhenney, who's from who's from Philadelphia, who's a huge Eagles fan. Uh, you know, he's on Welcome. He was on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's a he's but those two together have really understood what it takes to run a club. And I will be and if if they if they do get promoted, it will be a fantastic beginning to something special as they move up to the English Football League and struggle to to stay up there. But again, like fifteen years, fifteen years in the wilderness for Wrexham. It, final it, thoughts. It, it would if be magical if they win their game later today. Uh, the players will profit as well. I think they all get like I, I, I don't know how to you know. So I think I think last I saw it was like about a half a million pound, like uh, a, 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 twenty thousand like pounds six per man. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, but I think that equates to a couple hundred grand. I think, and, and but anyway, regardless. All right, Chris, what else we got? Well, uh, speaking of going from the fifth tier to the top, we've been kind of following the race at the top of the Premier League, and uh, Arsenal ended up drawing against Southampton, who's about to get relegated, which means that uh, with uh, there, with two games uh, in in hand, Manchester United is starting to, cre- I mean Manchester City, excuse me, is starting to really creep up on uh, the leaders in the Premier League here, and it is, uh, you know, it's not going to be resolved anytime soon. Man City is actually playing in the FA Cup semifinals this weekend so they'll still need two extra games to play to catch up with Arsenal but with only five points separating them now Man City is becoming more and more likely to overtake Arsenal it would be a huge blow to Arsenal who has really tried really tried to get back to prominence and for Man City who's now in the FA Cup semifinals and probably looking to beat Sheffield United who's going to the Champions League punch their ticket this week also to go to the Champions League semifinals this could be a season that we're all really sizing up for, for Man City and their bright young star, Erling Holland. By the way, I believe Arsenal tied Southampton. They had to score two goals late. I'm not sure where that leaves him, uh, but I will say this. 
By the time you weigh in Saturday night, we will know the results of the Wrexham game. Yes, absolutely. That will be pretty fun. And then on our side of the uh, – I don't know if you've been following with this, Vernie. On our side of the uh, pond here, uh, we had another El Trafico in the MLS. That's LA Galaxy and LAFC. It's been really fascinating to watch. This is actually the first time ever Galaxy lost at home to LAFC. And it's really underscoring. They have no wins this season in the MLS. Uh, their fans have been in boycott since, I believe, February or so. They sold off one of their bright young stars in Araujo to Barcelona, who's already trying to dump the, dump him off on a loan. And it's just really bad for Galaxy right now. They had a bit of a scandal earlier in the year, and they're just... I mean, as someone here at L.A., Bernie, like, I follow along with the soccer scene here. LAFC has completely overtaken Galaxy. Galaxy is one of the most decorated clubs in MLS, and they are a complete afterthought. It would be like, I don't know, if you were here in, like, the 80s, and suddenly the script flipped and the Raiders were no longer prominent, and then instead everyone loved the Rams or something. Fair analogy. All right, Chris, good stuff. We'll hear you Saturday night. Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Uh, never a shortage of news. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Bernie. All right, that is Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Again, Ryan Reynolds owns a team. Wrexham, you know about relegation. It's been argued that should be done in the NFL. I'm joking. The Lions would have been relegated a long time ago to a lower league, and we don't want that. But a lot to watch, and we'll catch up again Saturday night, 2.30 a.m. Pacific, 5.30 Eastern. A fan yelled at an NBA player. You made me lose 1300 you effer. What happens next? I'll tell you. Just shows what life in 2023 is like when it comes to fans, players, and the world of sports betting. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, Tyrac.com. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show. We wrap it up on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Here, wrapping it up on the Bernie Fratto Show. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com studios of Fox Sports Radio. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team. Uh, they've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Saturday night. Uh, Kevin Figures on the updates. Mark Ramsey, our technical producer. And Ethan Miller, uh, guys keeping us glued together. Appreciate all the teamwork. I will be back on these airwaves again Saturday night, 11 p.m. Pacific. A ton of stuff to get to. I will get into the NHL playoffs a little bit more. And uh, certainly we're going to dive heavily into the draft. We'll have Mark Medina 
on at midnight. Steve Fezzik to talk about sports prop betting, uh, sports prop betting for the NFL draft, and uh, we'll be playing all the hits. We'll have a couple more basketball games in the book to wax philosophical about. Speaking of basketball games, a fan is suing Washington Wizards. I'm not going to call him a star because I don't think he's a star. Bradley Beal. And this this fan is suing Beal over a an alleged post-game incident back on March 21st in Orlando. Alleging, quote, battery and assault and asking for damages exceeding 50000 Ladies and gentlemen, meet Kyler Briffa. He's the plaintiff. He's of Orange County, Florida. He filed the suit Tuesday in Florida's Ninth Circuit Court. And the suit alleges that after the Wizards lost to the Orlando Magic at the Amway Center back on March 21st, Bradley Beal was headed to the locker room when he reacted to a remark that was made by the friend of Biffa's about losing a bet. Suit alleges he turned around and hit Briffa on the side of the head, knocking his hat off. According to the police report, Briffa's friend had remarked to Beal, quote, you made me lose 1300 you effer. Now, the suit alleges that during the confrontation, Beal told Briffa, when you disrespect me, I'm going to press you about it. Do you think this is a joke? Do you think this is a joke? Do you think this is a joke? He said it like five times. Do you think this is a joke? I don't, I don't see anybody laughing. Because when I press you about it, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? What, what kind of conversation is this? All right. So the Florida police reported the complaint to the state attorney's office. And a spokesperson from the state attorney's office confirmed that there is a pending civil case but that the office would not disseminate any information. They would not comment, of course. You know, the old, we can't comment on the active and ongoing investigations. I get that. You've probably watched Law & Order a few times. You get that. So then Bradley Beal addressed the incident. He had a postseason news conference saying, nobody wants to lose money. I get it. If you keep it about sports, I'm all for it. But I think it's when people start getting personal, talking about your family, talking about your character, your integrity towards the game. I think all of that, we can save it. We can really keep those comments to ourselves. Beal also added he's noted a bit more nastiness related to sports gambling in the past few years. Now, we know 33 states in the District of Columbia now offer regulated betting markets and the Capital One Arena in Washington, where the Wizards play, that was actually the first NBA venue to have a sports book inside the stadium. And even Beal was pretty reasonable about that. He says, I get it. I go to casinos. I gamble. I understand that. But I also gamble. I also understand, for me, it's probably a 99% chance I'm going to lose. I'm not sitting here getting angry at the dealer or angry at everybody else in the Wizards as a franchise. Uh, declined any kind of comment. Now, for a lot of this, I'm actually on Bradley Beal's side. I don't know what happened, and I'm not going to pretend to know, and I'm not going to speculate. But one of the things we do know is, and no one's denying, there was some sort of altercation there, whether it be verbal, physical. And I also agree with Bradley Beal. How about the fans, which I get it. Many are amped up, hooked up to a blender since noon, show up in the arena half-cooked, and they feel less responsible for their actions in a crowd setting. That's right out of Psychology 101. People feel less responsible 
for their personal actions in a crowd, it really doesn't give you the right to call Beal those names or to accost his personal side or his family. I, I'm in agreement. So where is where is the happy medium? Well, see, that's where the happy medium is when Joe Dumars comes in. By suspending Draymond Green the other night, Joe Dumar was there on November 19th, 2004, at the Palace of the Mouse of the Palace, which I was too. He knows what spontaneous combustion can be. And I asked earlier in the show, what do you think would have happened if a flying beer cup would have come out and conked Draymond on the head? You never know what might have happened. Why do you say that? Well, gee, I wonder why. Draymond's only had 164 technical fouls in his career. 27 technical fouls in playoff games alone, six flagrant fouls, 17 ejections. He's been filed a million three in his career in terms of fines. So Joe Dumars basically said, listen, we're, we're, we're fed up. We're fed up with your antics. You got a body of work going back to 2016. You want to get under everybody's skin, and they end up getting under your skin. And what might happen, what could potentially happen, all you have to do is ask the Indiana Pacers franchise. That incident back in 19 or 2004 set them back 17 years. They've, frankly, I don't know if they've ever recovered. So when you look at a Bradley Beal situation, we look at an Anthony Rendon situation. All of a sudden, you're seeing more and more incidents. Fans, it takes two to tango. So I, I think it's incumbent upon fans themselves as well to figure out a way to be more civil within the framework of a game, and I get it, you lose a bet, no one wants to lose a bet, but when it rises to this level, when you got a fan suing a player wanting $50,000 in damages because he lost a bet and called Bradley Beal a name, which caused Beal to respond, what the hell are we doing here as a civilized society? We're better than this, at least I hope we're better than this, and if we're not, we have to try to be better than this. That'll do it for the Bernie Fratto Show coming up 11 o'clock Saturday night. Keep it locked up next. The great Anthony Gargano. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Terms and conditions apply.